Your friends in Christ, God's grace, which is that undeserved love, His mercy, which is that love put into action in your lives, and His peace, which is the result of that love. They are all yours through faith in in the one who stands as our Savior, the Son of God. And it's in his name that we we gather on this Transfiguration Sunday. It's a a celebration that is one one of the ones that I enjoy the most during the year because it really sets our heart and our minds on on the Savior we have the privilege to follow even as we head into the season of Lent. So as we get into the text today, I want to ask you about the word speechless. And I want you to think, is there been a time in your life where you have actually found yourself to be speechless? Think about that. A, a situation that maybe occurred in your life where, you, where something happened perhaps unexpectedly or you, you stumbled across something and you actually found yourself struggling to find words to say. Because it's a... It's a moment that, that movies would seem to indicate happen a little more often than I think it does. You know, you've all seen the movies where maybe it's uh, uh, the man who, who just sees an incredibly beautiful woman walk by and, and all of a sudden is rendered speechless, unable to, to vocalize because he just wants to say hello to her, but he just sounds like a, a stumbling fool. That's only happened... To me when I saw my wife first time. All right, no, I'm sorry. Um, speechless. Maybe it's when you got that unexpected news. Good or bad. And it knocked you over almost where you said, uh, what? I'm asking because I don't think it happens all that often. And so if it has happened, maybe it was a very memorable experience, a time when you actually saw that you were without the right words to say. And so it stuck with you for a while. I think this Sunday, we have the opportunity to go through a moment where if we do it justice, we will be left speechless. And I'm going to explain why as we climb the Mount of Transfiguration together with our Lord and and his three disciples that with whom he was probably the closest, Peter, James, and John. And it's a good thing that we're speechless too. Because we're going to find that we will be speechless because of the Lord's glory, but also speechless because of his message and his ministry. So I'm going to read to you now from Luke's account. There are three different accounts of the transfiguration from Matthew, from Mark, and from Luke. Luke's is probably the longest. And this is the account that it speaks of the transfiguration. Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 28, Luke says, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, 
and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. This is the word of our Lord. And so the account starts about eight days after Jesus had said this. That's a key piece of information. So let's just go back in time maybe eight days or so. You can see it as you look back through the beginning of of chapter 9. There are some interesting things that were happening, but it really sets the stage for what makes the transfiguration such a time-sensitive and appropriate moment in the history of those disciples. You see, the time was coming near. Jesus knew the time was coming near. And so as he was working with his disciples and as he was working with with instructing them and showing them the realities of being the savior of this world, he posed the question to his disciples and he said, all right, guys, I know that you know who everyone else says that I am. And they seem to be a little confused, but you, my, my brothers, who do you say that I am? To which Peter, Peter answers very well. He says, the Christ of God. So Peter knew who Jesus was. He knew he was the Messiah, which is what Christ means, the the chosen one. But he didn't have the full picture. And so what does Jesus say? He kind of bursts their bubble a little bit. He says, yep, I'm the Christ. You know what that means? That means I need to be handed over to the authorities. I need to suffer. I need to die. And I need to take my life back. And you can almost imagine the pin dropping in the midst of the disciples as they're trying to figure out, what does this mean? Because Jesus didn't stop there. He also said, and you, as my disciples... It's time for you to pick up your cross and follow me. Meaning, if you're going to be associated with one that they're going to crucify, what do you think is waiting for you? And so you can imagine if you were in that group, and and I think if you're being honest, you would say, is this the Savior we signed up for? 
Is this the man that we truly want to follow? Is this accurate? He's saying the right things, but this is not how I saw this all ending. It's been fun up to this point. But I'm nervous that maybe our faith is misplaced. Does Jesus have the goods to deliver? And don't think that Jesus didn't know what was going on. And so eight days later, he takes Peter, James, and John for an amazing field trip up the mountain. And that's where the account picks up. About eight days later, Peter, James, and John go up with Jesus, it says, onto a mountain to pray. It's time for the voices in the disciples' head, which would have been talking a mile a minute and getting louder and louder to be rendered speechless. And Jesus knows how to do that. This account is incredible. They get to the mountain, and and this is what Luke says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. I'm not saying that you would have picked up on this, but, but in a way, Luke has already become speechless. Now, now, Luke wasn't present there, but he was recounting what he had been told. And I say he was rendered speechless because this is not like Luke. Luke is definitely the most educated of the gospel writers. Remember, this is Dr. Luke. He's the one who wrote the account of Luke, and he wrote the book of the Acts of the Apostles as one big story in two parts. And he's very detailed. That's why Luke is such a joy to read. He, he includes all the details, but it seems like he gets tongue-tied and speechless because he's the only one when he's talking about the transfiguration where he can't locate a verb to describe what happened. Matthew and Mark, they throw out the word, there is a metamorphosis, which we use as a, a transfiguration. Luke, with all of his education and background, he stays away from the verb. He's speechless. He simply says, The appearance of his face changed and clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning because how do you start to even describe God's glory? And there they were. Peter, James, and John wondering who this Jesus is. The Christ of God who had just said, it's about to get real as we head to Jerusalem, shows himself to be the Son of God. Speechless. You see Luke struggling to find the words to describe this amazing account, but then you also see Peter, James, and John certainly speechless as they stand in the presence of Christ, who's starting to show some of his divine glory And if that wasn't enough to keep them quiet, um, Moses and Elijah were there. Moses and Elijah were there. These are two men who, who had passed away centuries ago, but were still alive because we know that 
Christians have eternal life. These are two men, and some people wonder why these two men. It's been hypothesized that they both were representative of key phases in the Old Testament period. Moses, the liberator of the nation of Israel from Egypt, and the receiver and giver of the law in Elijah, the beginning of the the prophets. Other people have said when, when you look through the Old Testament, you have in Moses and Elijah two men whose homecoming to heaven was particularly unusual. Moses, who was gathered up by God himself on Mount Nebo, and Elijah, who who went to heaven in a, a chariot of fire. But for whatever reason, you have Moses and Elijah, key people at key moments in the history of Israel, who had longed for the coming of the Christ. There they were standing with the transfigured Lord, and Moses and Elijah were talking with him. And we're speechless because of God's glory. And isn't that exactly how would you be, how you would be, and ought to be in God's presence? I think it's amazing how big and tough we can come across when we think we're in control of things. And how quickly we would be humbled if God in his glory appeared right now. Isn't it true that we like to talk a big game when we're trying to defend ourselves with our sinful human actions or the direction of life that we feel like we ought to be going, but we know that if God were to appear in his glory, our mortality and our sinfulness would be seen for what it is and we would have no other choice than to shut our mouths and be speechless before the creator and judge of this world. but we would be speechless for another reason too. Don't we become speechless every time God in his grace assures us of the forgiveness of sins and that's the only remedy that finally quiets the voices in our head which are nagging us and pestering us and reminding us of the failures and our sinful shortcomings. And you can almost imagine Peter, James, and John being 50% terrified, 50% amazed at knowing that this is the one we get to follow into battle. The one who can conquer our sins. He's going to make good on everything he promised had to happen. And so we stand there and at a distance we, we look at the transfigured Lord and we say, we say nothing. We just watch, which is exactly how Christ wants it at this moment. Because we're speechless to be in the presence of God where his glory is on display, but we're missing out if we start talking now Because he wants us to remain speechless so that we can take in the scope of our transfigured Lord's message and ministry. So first of all, his ministry. Did did you hear what they were talking about if we were eavesdropping on that mountain? 
It says, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Literally, you know what it says they were talking about? They were talking about his exodus. That's the word that uses. And when we hear the word exodus, we're talking about how the Lord in his amazing power allowed the nation of Israel under Moses' leadership to leave Egypt? They were talking about a whole other kind of exodus. Jesus leaving this world. Can you imagine how that conversation went? What's your exit strategy, Jesus? Well, he is God, so the The sky is the limit. Jesus could have said, well, you know, I've been thinking about this. I'm getting kind of tired of being constantly rejected. And so I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to snap my fingers and I'm out of here. Done. You guys are on your own. And he would have had every right to do that. He could have said, you know what? I am so sick and tired of this people who constantly reject me and don't want to hear what I am here for, and I'm going to go scorched earth. Man, I'm going to go down that mountain, and I'm just going to blaze a trail through everyone. They will see my power. And then I'll be done with them. It's an exit strategy. But what's interesting as you well know, is that neither of those or any other exit strategy happened other than the fact that Jesus said, nope, it needs to happen in Jerusalem according to the plan. Speechless. But here's the problem. That's where Peter decided to start speaking. Because as Jesus finished up his conversation with Elijah and Moses and the men were starting to depart and Peter caught wind that maybe this cool little get-together was about to end, what did he say? He said, it's good for us to be here. It's good for us to be in your divine presence far from the problems of this world. Let's stay here. In fact, let's build some shelters. This is where we want to be. And who of us could argue with Peter? What a great place to be. But it was time for Peter to stop talking and to start listening. Because the worst possible thing that could have happened to Peter would have been for them to remain on that mountain. Because Christ was here with a ministerial purpose. And so the Father in heaven chimed in with his words of affirmation and power. Did you hear how it unfolded? While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my Son whom I have chosen Listen to him. It's time for us to be speechless so that with our mouths closed we can simply hear what our God is saying to us. You see, they wanted to stay on that mountain, but could you imagine if Christ 
wouldn't get to Calvary? Could you imagine what predicament you and I would be in if Christ didn't go to the cross? Could you imagine if that exit strategy or the exodus that was discussed took any other form than going into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and staying there for the week and handing his body over to the religious leaders to be put on a cross on Good Friday? But sometimes we find when we do all the talking that our plans for our Savior as good as they seem in our minds, are not the divine plan for the good of our own lives. And so sometimes we need to stop talking and do more listening. And friends in Christ, this is our challenge. This is my son, my chosen one. In other accounts, it also says my my loved one. But one thing that doesn't change, he says, is you need to listen to him. But in order for us to listen, we need to stop talking. And that's hard. And then when we do stop talking, do you realize how hard it is for us to listen to the right voice? It's amazing. If you were just to start thinking about a list of voices that are vying for your attention right now. It's the voice of your boss. It's the voice of your spouse. It's the voice of Hollywood. The voice of humanistic philosophers and the voice of your government. It's the voice of your neighbor. It's the voice of your conscience. All of these voices are clamoring, trying to get your attention to which we need, with the help of the Lord, to turn off the cacophony of all of the noise around us and say, I will listen to the Lord. And then I will be fine. And how could we be any better than to listen, as he says, I will descend this mountain and I will make a beeline for Jerusalem. It doesn't come right after our section, but one of the most comforting words that you will find in the book of Luke is later in Luke chapter 9. And it's when it says in verse 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Meaning, he was on a mission. He was telling his disciples all about it, They just needed to stop talking and start listening. And so also you and I. What joy we have. What comfort we have to know that as we resolutely head into the season of Lent and we consider the realities of our sins and the realities of our shortcomings, we do so with Christ our Savior at our side. And in case you're wondering if that means anything, then take another look at our transfigured Lord and said, here he is, the one who wears human flesh, but is God. And he's here with us with the purpose of getting us to the point on Mount Calvary where every sin has been paid for. That's the Savior we get to go into battle with.
That's the Savior who chose not to stay on the Mount of Transfiguration, but to enact his exit strategy, which was in line with the salvation of this world. And as you see it all unfold, what a joy to be speechless and to let him do the talking. And then with humble yet grateful hearts, find our voice only to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you are and all that you have done. You have given me a voice to praise you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus, our Savior.